Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the Human Performance Outliers podcast. In case you haven't noticed, we are now up on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com backslash HPO podcast. You can also just click on the link in the podcast notes and it'll take you right to our page. For the listeners that have already joined us, thank you so much. Your support is greatly appreciated. Uh, We have some pretty cool goodies that we're rolling out for the Patreon supporters, including a front-of-the-line Q&A, some early podcast release options, as well as the chance to even join the show. So please consider checking out that page if you haven't yet. Also, if you do listen to us on a podcast hosting site, if you have the option, please consider subscribing. By subscribing, you'll get the most up-to-date episode as soon as it's released. Thank you very much, and enjoy the show. Uh, but for those that don't know, Kelly, uh, Kelly, t- remind us, you've been doing a, a basically an all-a-zero-carb, or what I like to call a carnivorous diet, for eight or nine years now. Is that correct? That's right. It'll be nine years this October. And for five years prior to that, I was very close, but still included some artificial sweeteners. And it was as close to zero as I thought I was allowed to get until I met Charles and Charlene and Joe. And, and they did the same for me. And I sort of... Um, just went online trying to find out, is it even possible to get rid of these last few carbs that I'd, I'd really for five years had started dwindling way down to almost nothing and felt better and better. And You know, you know I don't want to interrupt you, but I mean, you, you know, you felt better and better. And, and as we all know, that feeling better and better is an obvious sign of scurvy. That's one of the things. Uh-huh. That, uh... Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's hey, amazing I'm still alive. Yeah. Hey, tell us just, you know, because I, you know, one of the things I've said along, you know, we have different people from the from the medical community and scientific stuff. And we talk about that all the time. We talk about studies on here. But I have said all along that stories are so incredibly powerful. I mean, you think about, you know, we, you know, we went to World War One when the Duke of Sarajevo got assassinated, you know, it was a Duke Ferdinand, I think. And then that was a story that catalyzed things. And so I think some people, they think that they need to have 75,000 studies that confirm something, but I will continue to, uh, you know, state that, you know, well, sometimes just one story is enough to, to catalyze a huge change. And I think you're one of them. And so I think your story is very par- powerful. So if you would briefly, I know you were, st- I, before I so rudely interrupted you, I know you're starting there, but go through your story, tell us your background, and then I'm going to ask some kind of, you know, just kind of go from there and pick out different questions and, and stuff. And I think it's so nice to have more women on the podcast, you know, particularly they're doing this diet because a lot of women, you know, I mean, my sort of following, if you will, on social media is still heavily skewed towards men. And there are women that ask me, is this doable? And I say, yes, of course it is. But it's nice to have more and more women that are out there telling the story. So go ahead and tell us your story, if you don't mind, Kelly, and then we'll, we'll go from there. Absolutely. Well, I was um I was born a big baby and I stayed I stayed big all through childhood. Um, even as a kid, I remember being really just embarrassed about my size. I had a really skinny brother who was very muscular skinny. He was just very fit even as a very young child, and um, I was just the opposite of that. And he, like many little brothers, teased me pretty often. My mom was incredibly had a beautiful figure. I mean. Everybody in my family looked pretty good, and then there was me. I was just overweight. Um, I ate at the same table, about the same as everybody else. It's not like I was ever off sneaking. It just affected me differently than it did the rest of my family. Um, When I became a teenager, I started restricting a lot. All I knew was what people had told me, which was eat less fat and eat less and move more. Eat less, move more, less fat. So I did that, and... um, 
I was able to lose some weight for a while. There are some pictures of me in high school where I, I look okay. I was very hungry all the time. And as if um, being a teenager isn't hard enough, I was making my life just that much harder. I went off to college and um, I really, it was, you know, people joke about the freshman 15, but it was probably more like 50 for me. Uh, by the time I graduated college, I was well over 200 pounds, closer to 250. I did not weigh myself a lot, but at one point I went to the doctor. Oh, and I had a longtime boyfriend who is now my husband. Um, and he was, he was very thin. And I know that my relationship with him for the first several years, it's like, I'm sure he feels like he's, he's been with two versions of me because he really has. I was so self-conscious all the time. If I sat down on a couch, a pillow immediately went on my lap. By the time I got married, I was a size 22, 24, and I weighed about 260 pounds. Um, I didn't weigh a lot after that, but I'm pretty sure I gained a little more. I went to the doctor because I started having um, abscesses, boils. I know that's really sexy. I was only in my early 20s, and I would get these boils to come up that would have to be lanced and drained over and over multiple times. And the doctor said, look, you're in your 20s. If you don't lose at least 100 pounds, you're going to die an early death. And I sat in his office and I cried, and I'm not much of a crier. And, but I said, I've tried. I don't know what else to do. I've gone hungry, and then I'll, I'll give in and finally start eating again, and it comes right back. I'll starve myself down. It comes right back. I don't know what to do. And at that point, he gave me a pamphlet, just a little paper, and he said, look, on this side are all the things I want you to avoid for a year. He said, I don't care if it's your birthday. Don't touch them for a year, and I want you to come back and see me. And it was everything I had eaten and enjoyed my whole life. It was cereal, which I'd always thought that skim milk and fat-free cereal was the way to go. <laughs> and it had obviously failed me. Um, there was all sugar bread sweets, obviously, but pastas and even starches. And I thought, "There's what else would I eat? And I turned it over, and he said, on this side, eat as much as you want. Do not limit, just eat. And I looked at him like, for real, are you joking? And I know that nowadays that's a thing and people have started to hear this. But this was almost 14 years ago. I didn't even know when he mentioned the word carbohydrate, I literally said, and what are those? I didn't know. And he had to explain it to me. So he said, you can have eggs, cheese, and all kinds of meats. He said, if it's not breaded and it's a meat, eat it. Eat your fill of it. So for a year, I did this, and the first month, I lost about 30 pounds. My parents were actually very concerned. They thought I was starving myself again. By then, I, I was not living with them anymore. Um, I came back in a year, and he did not know who I was. He had to look at my chart, and he had seen me many times previous due to having things lanced. I, had never ha I haven't had a single boil since then. That was almost 14 years ago, so the inflammation just plummeted. Um, in one year, I lost 80 pounds. And then after that, I began lowering the carbs more and more because there were some low-carb vegetables on that side, and I did eat those for the first year. But then the weight loss kind of steadied off, and I found myself still craving carbs, but I was able to just appreciate the results and, and stick to what he had said. So it worked. So low carb, truly very, very low-carb worked for that first 80 pounds. And I kept that off for the next four years and just kept lowering and lowering carbs and the weight slowly came off. Meanwhile, I was working out quite a bit at first. 
uh, and I was getting tired. <laughs> After about the fifth year, approaching year five of doing that and seeing good results, I thought, I don't know if I can keep this up forever. Because in order for me at that point to just maintain this 120-pound weight loss I had achieved, I was working really hard. I had started restricting some on calories, not as much as before. Um, I was fighting the cravings that I still had even after five years. And so I was struggling. And I thought, what if I cut out just the last of these carbs? So that's when I, I did a quick Google search and r did some reading about Stefanson and the bear. And then I found Charles Washington's zeroing in on health form. And there were all these pictures of these fantastically healthy looking people that said they had been eating only meat for years and that they did not have to stay in the gym for hours, that they had maintained their weight loss for years without a struggle. They lost the cravings. And so I logged on that day and said, here's my before and after picture. I'm still eating a few carbs, but I'm willing to ditch them to try it your way. And they were so welcoming. And I gave it a shot. And at first, I, I started gaining weight. And I almost gave up immediately because for me, it was a panic. Like, the scale could not go up because I'd been there before and I'd worked so hard for it. I was truly, I went into panic mode and almost quit. But they said, look, just Feed yourself for a change. Stop measuring. Just eat. Stop weighing yourself. Just trust your body to eat. And when you are good and fed and you are at a healthy weight, your body will stabilize and you will not have to work for it another day in your life. Just eat. And Charles, I, I'm not sure if it was his original idea, but he said, you know, think like a lion. The lion lays by the river. If he's hungry, he eats an antelope and doesn't touch food again until he's hungry. When he does, he doesn't check a clock or pee on a stick or there's nothing, you know, um, no tricking your body. Just eat. And he was so passionate about it that this group really talked me off of the ledge. And that's what I began to do. And I gained slowly for about six months a total of 20 pounds. And it was scary. For me, 20 pounds felt really scary, but I was still taking it easy from the gym. And a side story to this was that I had not had my feminine cycle in about two years. So I was wanting a baby. I'd been married by this point for several years. I wanted to get pregnant, but it's awfully hard to do without a cycle. And Charles and the rest of the zero carbers kept saying, if you want a baby, you've got to be healthy. Your body has been telling you for years, you're not ready for this. Get your body ready. And by that summer, I was pregnant. And the, the weight um, had already started coming down a little before I was getting, before I got pregnant. Obviously, it came back. Um, had a healthy baby girl who's now seven. And I have not gone back through all, and spoiler alert, I ended up having three babies. <laughs> I have three children now, ages seven, five, and two. They were all three zero-carb pregnancies. And ever since I found Charles Washington's form, that's been it for me. After each pregnancy, the weight would come off without measuring, without myself going hungry, without working out in the gym. It was just like my body naturally found its way without carbs. The cravings went away, so I wasn't having to fight it. My life now is so easy. Oh, my gosh. I don't work for this at all. I like the way I look. I love the way I feel. I have my children. I don't struggle for this. I'm like a happy mama lion laying next to a river. And it's good. Kelly, I mean, that, that's a 
really amazing story. It really is, and people haven't heard it before. But, um, you know, one of the things that uh, I often get asked about is pregnancy. And so, you, you know, obviously this is something that most people don't do during their pregnancy. And so was your obstetrician aware of the fact that you weren't eating any carbohydrate or next to no carbohydrates? And how was that handled? And, and so tell, tell us a little bit about those things. How, yeah. how, did the, how did the pregnancies go? I don't know if you're breastfed or not, but if you could, you could kind yes. of touch on that because a lot of people, okay. I, get, I get a lot of questions about that, and I don't have any personal experience with that. <laughs> no. <laughs> so it's okay, nice sure. to hear from somebody who's done it. Okay. Um, so even in the zero-carb carnivore community, seven, eight years ago when I was first pregnant, there were not a lot of success stories with this in modern day. Obviously, you had, you know, Eskimos, which had done it for centuries, and the Inuit Indians and different cultures from ways back. But nothing online recently, there wasn't a lot of stories I could look up to say, you know what, this is going to go great. And I was nervous. But I, and I was online a lot on that forum saying, you know, I still feel good. They said, look, this is you're growing a little human. You know how much better you feel on this diet. This is also a human. People did this for centuries with excellent fertility, low incidences of miscarriage. You know, this is good for babies. And so I was, um, being a new mom, I was a little bit timid with my OB with my first pregnancy. She knew that I had lost all that weight. She was with me through all of that. And she knew that I did it very low carb. And totally supported that. With the pregnancy, she had said, well, you may want to add some greens for fiber. And I was just smiling and nodding. Okay, I mean, if I feel like I need something, which I guess that's true, if I had felt like I needed something, and I never did. Um, but she did not discourage, but I also didn't just say, you know what, I am just going to eat meat for nine months. I wasn't really in her face about it. I just said, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing because I feel great. And this is also a tiny human that we're talking about. And I think this baby will do great. So she was um, supportive. When it came time for the glucose test, which, you know, is a, a pretty big deal in the life of a pregnant woman, where you go and you drink a massive amount of sugary stuff to see how your blood sugar relates. I flat out told her, she said, you know, it's time for your glucose test. I said, I'm so sorry, but there is no way I'm doing that. I said, you know me. You know what I've been through. Why would I take this? She said, we have to check to make sure you're not having pregnancy-induced diabetes. I said, um, what would you do if I failed the test? She said, well, we would have to put you on a diabetic diet. And I looked at her, and she looked at me. She's like, right. Okay. Well, and <laughs> that was that. We skipped it all together. Um, she did have me take an A1C test, and obviously my numbers were ridiculously low. She was satisfied, um, and I've never taken one of those glucose tests. I think I would probably would have vomited, honestly, and failed miserably is my guess, but um, I wasn't going to find out. So in that way, she was supportive as well. Um, you know, I don't know if you know this, but Charles Washington, one of the main reasons he formed the group that he did at Zeroing on Health was because of the pregnancy issue. Um, there's a very famous low-carb guy out there who had a huge low-carb following and forum. And and when the, the zero-carbers started, there was a question posted. Would this be a healthy diet while pregnant? And the really famous guy had said, do not do it. Don't advise it. Don't try it. 
And Charles had just said, this was still on the low carb form. He said, you know, I, I don't see why not. People did it for so long. Why would you change your diet suddenly just because you're pregnant? And he got kicked out. I mean, booted out of there. It was so controversial, and a large group of people left, and that's actually what became the Zeroing In on Health carnivore group. And so when I showed up and said I'd really like to get pregnant, and then I did get pregnant, and it was kind of a big deal around there. Like, you you can do this. We've said for years this would be safe. They advised, you know, do what you feel is safe if you – and Charles even said, if you feel like you need, whatever you feel like you need to do, do it. Of course, there was no pressure. But when it worked out, it I felt like this is a big deal. I tried to really document because I knew there were other women that needed to see babies don't need the extra carbs that people say they need. Pregnant mothers don't need to shove tons of fiber down the pipes because that's the recommendation. Fiber, fiber, fiber. If you don't have fiber, you're going to end up with hemorrhoids. If you don't eat plenty of, you know, there's just a lot of fear mongering done between um, the medical world and pregnant women. That's how it felt to me. A lot of fear because we are carrying our most precious thing and we trust, you know, we would do anything. Just help it get here safely. But eating fiber, fiber, fiber all of a sudden just didn't feel right to me. So I never did it. And I also didn't have. I never threw up once with any of the three pregnancies. My blood sugar is incredibly stable. So I did not have morning sickness. I had no trouble with, you know, they always talk about constipation being a big issue. That was never an issue. Um, I had really great pregnancies. And, oh, and also I, I did breastfeed. And in fact, I don't talk about this frequently, but <laughs> I have not even fully weaned my youngest baby who just turned to, she's almost there. Really, she is. I've never had one potty trained before weaning, but that's her. Um, Anyway, but it all went well, too. Breast milk is mostly fat and water, and that is what I ate. I drank lots of water and ate plenty of meat with fat on it, and breastfeeding went great. That's awesome. Yeah. Like, uh, one thing like that I find really interesting with the carnivore movement, and I think, like, uh, you know, Sean can attest to this is like, it it seems to have kind of just gained a big momentum swing in the last year or two. And, you know, with that, you get a lot of people hearing about it for the first time. And, uh, you know, the, the, the questions get asked, no doubt. And I think one of the questions I see the most is like, at least like directed towards, uh, Sean is like, well, you know, you haven't been doing this your whole life or you haven't been doing this for very long. So aren't you afraid that in five years, you know, you're going to have some, some massive like like setback. So when we have folks like you and Charles Washington on the show, I think that's kind of um, the gold standard more or less, just because like you you folks have been on it for a while. Like you've been eight years, I believe, um, and uh, you know so you can kind of point to some of those those situations and kind of like you know show people like okay here we are. This is what we've been doing. And the other kind of interesting side to that, I think too, is like. Um, the carnivore movement or the carnivore like tribe, I guess, has been around for a while. Like you said, like you look at Charles Washington zeroing in on health page. He's got like 20,000 people who are on there. And, and I think they're pretty tightly regulated in that you have to be, you know, you know quite adherent to the to the program to be on that. So it's uh, which I think he's doing just to, you know, more or less have a paper trail of this, the success stories and like what's happening to these folks as they get older and continue on the program. Uh, 
And and I think that's awesome that there's like something there that we can pull from. It's not like the situation where it was never there. It just wasn't super vocal, I guess, maybe in the back, yeah. in the in, in you know years ago. Uh, and now that it is, there's something there that can get pointed to. Um, so like with, with with that, like, and I know you're 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 fairly vocal about it too and willing to share stuff. So uh, um, what? How long were you on the like strict carnivore before you had your first pregnancy? Um, I got pregnant about eight months after I first started. Okay. So I started in October and got pregnant in the middle of the next summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because was my, my suspicion was that, or my suspicion, I guess, is is that someone would maybe follow up with a question of like, well, um, you have to be on it for a long time to adapt, and then you know, then the pregnancy would be safe with a carnivore diet. But it sounds like that was actually even earlier in in your uh, your, um, yeah. your carnivore life. So. Uh, the adaptation certainly happened quickly for you. Hey, Kelly, and thanks for bringing it up, Zach. I think, uh, you know, one of the things we often see a lot of women suffering from infertility issues and things like polycystic ovarian syndrome, you know, different issues with their menstrual cycle, whether it's dysmenorrhea or amenorrhea, you know, all these big fancy medical words, it means things aren't working well. But, you know, and you were already on a low-carb you know, very low carb diet prior to this yeah. and, and eating, you know, I assume, you know, some meats but and, and a little bit of vegetables, maybe some low sugar fruits and stuff like that. But, but despite being on a low carb diet already, you were, and I assume maybe you were trying to, to have a baby back then or get pregnant back yeah. then. And then you were, you still couldn't get that fertility back until you yep. finally kind of ditched everything and went just meat. I think that's a pretty interesting anecdote, you know, and I think it's, uh, you know, and, and again, it's, it's, you know, I, I sit there and say, you know, why are we afraid to believe that eating spinach might not necessarily be the best thing for everyone's health? And, you know, why can't we experiment and say, let's exclude that from the diet and see what happens? And I think this is the great thing about this zero-carb or carnivorous movement is it's showing, it's kind of telling people that we don't know everything we thought we did. We have some sort of sacred cows, if you will, or sacred mm-hmm. vegetables that we think can do no wrong. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's not been the case. And, you know, I know you've been around this thing and, and probably, you know, longer than I have as far as observing people. And what I see repeatedly are these dramatic success stories, which, you know, common sense or common wisdom or our common sort of nutritional dogma would say is not the way it should be. And so I think, you know, the question is, do we doubt these people? Or do we doubt what we what we think we know? And I think that you know my answer is, and your answer is too. But talk to me about you know because um, everybody asks this question. I know the I already know what the answer is, but I, I, we, people want to hear it anyway. But what do you eat on a day to day? What's going yeah. on? How, how how are you eating? What, what are your thoughts? Do you do you fast for a certain period? Do you uh, count your calories? Are you are right. you you know worried about this and that? Can you just kind of talk just a little bit about your particular diet? Yeah, so um, with three little kids, I'm trying to keep it pretty simple right now. Um, Sometimes my husband will grill up a whole bunch of burgers or a whole bunch of steaks. I put them in a big old tub in the fridge and pull out as many as I feel like eating at a certain time. Um, Sometimes I just go through and get some fast food burgers. I mean, that's just the truth. If it's 100% beef and it's cooked and ready, that is sometimes that, well, it's better than the donut. So I'll do that. Um chicken wings i love chicken wings obviously not breaded and not sauced I'll, if it's meat and especially if somebody else is cooking it like last night i went to my mother-in-law's house she had pork roast ham chicken legs 
I am pretty open to most, well, all of that. That sounds great, actually. I'm kind of hungry. But for the most <laughs> part, just due to um, ease and cost, uh, burger patties are a pretty frequent source of food around here, whether it's cooked in a skillet or just picked up somewhere. Um, and th- as far as fasting, I eat, and then I eat when I'm hungry again. Sometimes that's a few hours later. Sometimes it's a long time later. If I'm really hungry and eat a huge meal, sometimes it is a long time until I get hungry again. I never consider that fasting, though, because it's not purposeful. I just eat when I'm hungry. If I eat a meal of two pounds of meat, it's going to be a while till I want more. Um, But if I were to get hungry sooner, then I get hungry sooner and I have some food. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I I, I, kind of coined the term intermittent feasting you know rather than intermittent yes. fasting i just i just i just throw down and eat until i'm full and then you know i'll eat again when i'm hungry but uh so talk about you know burger patty because because and you've been doing it for eight years or not, almost nine years now and yeah. we often will hear and this is a very controversial topic that in order to stay healthy and i assume that uh, I, and we can go through your some of your uh, markers of health i know the lab's have all been good that you've looked at, at least what we, we know. I mean, obviously, yes. for anybody who's ever seen you, and so hopefully some people will look you up and see what you look like now versus then, and maybe Zach will include that in our in our, in our our stuff that we, we distribute, that, that, I mean, by all accounts, looking at you, you look like a very healthy, thriving, robust person, you know. But are you making special efforts to eat a particular type of meat? Are you going for organic, grass-fed meat all the time? Are you eating a lot of organ meats? Are you cooking it? Are you eating it raw? Do you worry about if it's cooked too much or too little uh, are those things seeming to make a difference for you they're not i did try the grass finished beef. you know they all cows are out there eating grass until the very end and at the end um a lot of grocery store meat is typically finished off on grain because it fattens them up a little and changes the flavor well i really like that flavor as it turns out we purchased some local meat um grass finished cow you know, I've got no problem with the people who like it, especially if they feel like they actually feel a difference on it. But I didn't, and I really did not enjoy the taste as much, or the price, for that matter. So, um, I am of the belief that you should eat whatever meat you like, whatever meat you can afford, and whatever meat makes you feel good. And for me, I am—I don't have, you know, I've started hearing lately a lot of people talking, not a lot, but more people talking about histamine issues. I I'm not one of those people. So I don't know what meat has histamines, and I cannot tell the difference whether I'm eating grocery store meat, a McDonald's burger patty, or the the local grass-finished meat from um, up the county. I felt pretty similar on all, which is great. I felt really great on all of it. I haven't had any issues with any type of meat. Sometimes if I eat exclusively pork for a while, I do crave beef. For a while, though, I do feel my best with at least a good bit of my diet being beef. I don't know what the difference is, and I'm not saying everybody feels that way. I don't really care what kind of beef, as long as it's beef. Um, I couldn't do lean for, like, chicken breasts. I know I couldn't handle that. But as far as, I've gone through periods where I really like a good rotisserie chicken, and will eat the whole chicken. <laughs> but I couldn't just live on the chicken breasts, for sure. Yeah, that was Are kind you of go- a similar message that Chris Bell had when, when we uh, had him on a while back was that like he's tried all kinds of different sorts of types of meat, steaks, like some really expensive ones he's ordered in, and he just says the ones he likes the taste of the most are the ones at Costco. So he'll go to yeah. Costco and order his, or buy a whole bunch in bulk, and then 
you know, grill those up. Yep. I'm with him. Kelly, and, and I, I, you didn't mention this, but are you going out of your way to, to eat a certain amount of organ meats once a week? Are you eating liver oh, once a week or something like that? No, Is that... I forgot to say that. Uh, no, I don't. I'm not saying I wouldn't if someone just felt like cooking some up for me. Like if I did go to my mother-in-law's on a Sunday night and she had some chicken livers, I would give them a shot. But no, I don't. I do not go out of my way to ever eat any organ meat. Um, I actually don't know any... Personally, I don't know any long-term, long-time vet, zero-carb carnivores who do. Um, I've heard of people that do come and go, but as far as the ones that I've known for many, many years, they're all just out there eating whatever meat they like. Yeah, and one of the, one of the arguments people will make is, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll point to various tribes around the world, and they'll say that the organ meats were prized, and therefore you must eat them. And, you know, and I, I again... I've seen the same thing you had looking at, you know, many thousands of people now, and, and I don't see a glaring difference between the ones that are indulging in organ, organ meats and, and the ones that aren't. So my, you know, I think the same thing that Charles and some of the other people say, if you like it, eat it. Don't feel like you yeah. have to. And there may, be a, there may be some people where it is a benefit, but I don't think you can make a blanket statement based yeah. on what I'm observing in this population that uh, that they're an absolute requirement, you know, and, and again, that's controversial. Same thing with the grass-fed versus the grain-fed, but again, I'm my sort of whole thing is, you know, what what can I observe and what what can we see in people that are actually doing it, not what theory might be. And, and I just again, had, oh, I'm sorry, man. I just had a huge blood panel done back in the spring where I mean they checked levels of about everything that could be checked, and there was nothing. Nothing, you know, people are like, how are you going to get your vitamin this, your vitamin that? There was not one level that was too low or too high. And I have not eaten an organ meat. So I know that for me personally, if I were feeling, if something had been really out of kilter in my blood work, I may have felt, huh, could I feel better if something, you know, if that were a little higher? But feeling as good as I feel, and my doctor, his quote was, you are my healthiest patient. Don't change a thing. <laughs> And I, I, I'm with him. I'm not going to change a thing till I have any reason to. Well, there you go. The healthiest space in the doctor has, and all she eats is stupid, stupid old meat and hamburger <laughs> yeah. patties, right? <laughs> yeah, but it's, yeah. It's the same doctor, by the way. All these years later, that one that handed me the pamphlet. He is, he's a cool dude. The guy is old. He is about to retire. He's got to be near ninety. He, but he is old school, and he was the one that brought up the Inuit Indians to me. I was. What? He's awesome. I like this guy. I'll miss him when he's when he's retired. Yeah, it sounds like he was kind of a life changer for you and it's uh it's almost like a needle in the haystack to run into someone like that back when you did uh kind of before the this last upswing in the kind of ketogenic protocol, but um you know, he might be old enough to remember when it kind of swung around the <laughs> yeah. other generations. Um yeah, like I I had one more question kind of in along the lines with like uh, like appetite and uh, you know kind of eating intuitively, which you certainly do, um, and then with kind of the pregnancy and um, and like the post-pregnancy breastfeeding stuff. Like, did you notice uh, that there was like a, a, a large upswing in your appetite during your pregnancy? Did you have to kind of monitor that at all, knowing that you're kind of growing another human, or did your appetite more or less just kind of upregulate and you're kind of eating more just uh, by by intuition? Um, by that point, after several months of eating by intuition every day, as you said, I was pretty good at it. That being pregnant and zero carb for me, it was, it was great, and I would not do it any other way. 
But I will say it was a little tricky because for me, and I've heard this from plenty of others, now we've had a lot of zero-car babies born. My three are, they are amongst many little friends now. Um, But I had a lot of food aversions in the beginning, and sadly that included steak. (laughs) And (laughs) I know, that was tough. I would open the fridge and see a steak, and there was a, oh, I just, it just didn't look good. Now, there were plenty of zero-carb foods that did, and eggs were a huge one for me. I ate so many eggs, and I could deal with um, burgers with cheese, but it, it just, steak for me just didn't sound good all of a sudden. So I did have to adapt, and, and my appetite was quite large, I will say. But it already was. I've always just had a big appetite. I, I always tried to suppress it until I found this diet. Now I can just be a happy little free bird. But but when I was pregnant, yes, I was hungrier um, for different things. But I still, I eat quite a bit. Hey, Kelly, um, first of all, just how tall are you? Um, and then I want to know during your pregnancies, you know, because there's sort of a healthy amount of weight gain. Can you talk about how much weight you gain per each pregnancy? How hard was it to lose it? And then did you notice it during different phases of the pregnancy, you know, like, you know, first trimester, second trimester, third trimester, that your, you know, your, your, the way you ate changed? Did you feel like, and it's kind of go what Zach was talking about, what you were talking about, because a lot of women in the first trimester particularly have a lot of problems with nausea, Z. Yeah something called HCG, the human chorionic gonadotrophin elevates, and that's usually correlated with a lot of nausea. And so tell me a little bit about how much weight you gain, how, you know, how, okay. how, how, the, how the different trimesters went for you. And then, you know, are the babies healthy? Are the kids doing well and, and all <laughs> yeah. that stuff? Yeah. So during the first trimester is when I ate a lot of eggs and bacon for all three of them. It was very similar. And then around week 13 or 15, my normal um, tastes returned and I was able to go back to all my steaks and burgers with not so much cheese required. Um, for some reason I craved, um, a vinegar based hot sauce, no sugar in it, just like sort of like a Texas Pete or Tabasco, all three pregnancies. I probably didn't even need a test to take for the next two. Cause as soon as I was pregnant, I was just craving hot sauce. I think it's the vinegar though, more than anything. Um, it, but yeah, first trimester, a little less on the beef side, second and third more. Um, I did not weigh myself at all with pregnancy number one because it was still such a trigger for me to see the scale go up that I was afraid that I would start wanting to restrict or do something that wasn't just intuitive eating. So I, and when I would go to the doctor, it was, there was a bright green sticky note on my file that said, do not tell patient weight. She just knew. I said, I don't want to know. So I still don't know, actually, what I gained with the first one. Um, The second one, I gained 23 pounds. And the third was about that, I think about 25 pounds. Um, I was frequently told with, especially baby number three, there were some people that didn't even know, honestly, that that I was pregnant until just a few weeks before I delivered. Because I really, I don't know, it was a very um, not obvious 25 pounds or 23 uh, the weight with baby one, um, it came off a little bit slower, but I was back able to wear my regular clothes within, uh, I mean, within a few weeks I could wear them, but I could see a difference. I never had to go out and buy new clothes. With baby number two, I don't know why this stands out to me. I remember telling my mother-in-law, said, I just weighed myself today, and I was back to my pre-baby weight. It was two weeks. That is no joke. Wow. Two weeks. 
And with the third one, um, I actually still have about seven pounds from her, but I'm still, like I said, not totally weaned her yet. And that seven pounds actually, I think, um, looks okay on me. So <laughs> I'm okay with it. I'm five, five, nine or five, eight and a half, five, nine. Um, like I said, before I started removing carbs, I weighed over 260 pounds and now I stay between 135 and 140. Yeah. And I've seen pictures of you. I mean, you, you, I mean, it looks very nice. I mean, you're very lean, you're muscular. I mean, and, and, and tell us about, again, you talked about years ago, you were doing a lot of exercise and now you, yeah. you do very little to none, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Correct. So that really was one of the main things that drove me to this was I just knew that for the rest of my life. In order to maintain my weight, eating the way I was eating, with the small amount of carbs even, that I was going to have to work. I was working out at that point, and this went on for two or three years. Side note, this is also when I had no cycle. I was working out in the gym an hour before work and an hour after work. I was killing myself to try to just hang on to where I was. And any little creep up on the scale just would send me into a tailspin. It was not a healthy place to be, and it's actually rather embarrassing to look back on. Um, but now, no, I don't have to work hard to stay where I am. Only about a month ago, so I went the first eight years of zero carb without exercising at all. I will say that I am a music teacher, so it's not like I'm working a total desk job, but I'm not running around all the time. And I do have three young kids, so I do run around a little bit of the time, but not on purpose. I park as close to the grocery store as I can, and I always take the elevator if available. So I'm not doing any of those little tricks. Um, as of about a month ago or two, I started exercising again for seven whole minutes a day. And I decided to do it because I thought that is the total amount of time that I'm willing to devote to this. I do stay fairly busy just with being a mom and teacher. But I thought, you know, for seven minutes, I could either stretch. I used to do some yoga, and I enjoyed that. I thought I could stretch for seven minutes. I could do some strength stuff like push-ups or something for seven minutes, or I could jog for seven minutes. But I think I have that to spare, and it's not to try to lose weight. Um, it is just simply trying to stay flexible and maintain strength. It's also because I'll be 40 on my birthday, and I thought, oh, I should maybe do a little something, <laughs> but not for weight loss, not for weight loss, just because I, I would like to, I feel so healthy and strong and I want to stay that way. Yeah, Kelly, I'm, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty big, big advocate of, you know, strength training, particularly in women. And I think that's important to maintain that. A couple other questions is to clean up a couple of things. You know, one thing during your pregnancy, did you take any prenatal vitamins? I think that's something that, uh, is, uh, you know, just just worth mentioning there, and, and with the advice of your obstetrician, maybe, maybe yeah. not. And then um, let's talk about, you know, a little bit more into this. You know, when you wait, when you initially gain weight, when you uh -huh. went from from a from a low carb diet to a to a to a zero carb or carnivorous diet, because I see a lot of women, uh, in particular, and particularly women who have been on diets for a long period of time, that when they switch over to you know, a, 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 you know, an all meat style of eating that they, they do in fact gain weight and some of them even gain some body fat and, and it's, it's yep. very disturbing for many women. So can you, again, mention the stuff about the prenatal vitamins and let's go into that topic. Sure. Oh yeah. I'm pretty, um, I've seen that a lot. Okay. With the prenatals, I've seen it done both ways. I've seen a lot of women now on the zero carb site, Charles Washington and I both, um, along with two other ladies, 
admin over at zeroing in on health. And then, yes, we're approaching 25,000 now. Wow. Um, yeah, <laughs> quite a few of those as of very recently. Thank you, gentlemen. <laughs> Y'all did uh, have done um, amazing work. But um, we've had a lot of zero-car babies born, some with prenatals and some without. Um, I took them because, for me, it was, um, I told my doctor I don't feel like I need them, and I told my husband I don't feel like I need them. I said, I haven't taken vitamins this whole year I've been doing this. Well, by then, it was at the first pregnancy, just eight months. I said, I feel really good without vitamins. And it was sort of a, you know, this is my baby, too, and it, okay, I get that. It was a compromise. So I did. I took the prenatals. I've seen it done without. If I had to do it again, and I wasn't really religious about it. I can't say that it hurt anything. Can't say that it helped either. So I don't know. I don't know if I would do it again. I do not think they're required. I've seen it done plenty of times beautifully without them. But I'm also in a marriage, and he's not a zero carber. And it, it was his, it's his babies too. And when a doctor tells you things like take your prenatals, it, it would be hard to see, you know, your spouse go against that um in regards to the weight gain it is a thing it is with um, women who have restricted and worked out and have starved themselves down to little twiggy things and then they hear oh if you eat only meat then you will not have to work so hard so then they boom stop the workouts go from eating a few little peas here and there to giant steaks they gain a few pounds, they're shocked, and then give up and say it didn't work for me. I've seen that a lot. A lot, yes. If you have starved yourself and you start eating a good amount of meat with plenty of healthy fat on it, you may gain weight at first. Your body is hungry and it doesn't trust you. That's really what's happening. You are, you've, you've just kept food from it for so long that I think there is just a lack of trust and your body is going to hang on to fuel for a little bit. And for me, I had starved myself for so long. It took six months of really solid carnivorous eating without restrictions, letting my body rest. It's not that you can't exercise. It's just you probably, if you have worked out as hard as I did and have starved yourself, your body needs to, to bounce back from all that. And bouncing back might bring with it a few pounds. It might bring 20. It brought 20 for me. Um, and then that weight really, by the time I found out I was pregnant, honestly, after that six months, that took me to around March. I didn't get pregnant till June or July. I have some pictures from right before I found out I was pregnant where I looked, I was already back to about the same weight I was when I started zero carb. So it came off really fast. But I, I think it just takes really convincing every cell of your body. I am going to eat. I'm not going to starve you. I'm not going to run on a treadmill for two hours a day. We're going to eat. And then you can relax and be healed and just go about the business of living life with real food. Kelly, I want to talk about, and uh, you know, uh, I mean, I mean, you you put it in words that I think most people understand. You know, you can talk about, you know, I can I can I can talk about it from a medical standpoint. To, you know, there we have malnourishment. It doesn't matter if you're overweight or not. I mean, malnourishment yep. can come in the form of obesity. It can it can come in the form of, you know, just being too damn skinny, right? 
Uh, yep. But, you know, we have organs, we have bones, we have muscles, we have skin. All of those things require a certain amount of protein, certain amount of fat to function. When you've been restricting that, whether it's calorically or, or just certain macronutrient restrictions, I think you see this rebound effect in some cases. And so, having said that, that seems to be still a minority of the people where that happens to. But it is a phenomenon that definitely happens. And I think, you know, again, you know, if you're restricting calorically or nutrition-wise, and then you're getting what... I believe, and, and I would say you probably agree, that the best nutrition you can possibly get, your body really wants to, to wants to capitalize on that opportunity. You've had uh, so you've been doing this for eight, almost nine years now, and then and then and people ask me this all the time: Are you going to do it for the rest of your life? And and I tell people, I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, maybe I will, maybe I won't. I, I'm not. I don't feel like I'm tied to some religious dogma where I can't get out right. of that. I mean, you know, I would assume if you know at some point in your life you want to eat a couple blueberries. You know, you you know, you may you may or may not do that if you if you don't if you tried that. Have you ever tried like I'm going to try this here three or four years? I'm just going to try a little this or that, and then I know you've talked about recently playing with omitting dairy, omitting coffee. Yeah. Can you talk about those variables? Just just those three yeah. kind of topics. Yeah. So as for whether I'll do it for the rest of my life, um, I'm not going to commit to my diet any more than anyone else is committing to theirs, except to say, if I were to keep feeling this great. And have this little desire to do anything else. I can't imagine that I, I would change it up much. Uh, if any issues ever did arise, then I could rethink. But I feel really happy and healthy and good. I don't, at this point, I don't even miss carbs. I really don't. I know that sounds insane to anybody who's even low carb and struggling with the cravings. But that's the beauty of the carnivorous diet. It will, it will zap those cravings. And I don't have them. So it would be, you know, for me, I feel like a recovered drug addict. That, because my prior life, 20-some years of it, I was an addict that struggled. And I knew I was killing myself and I was miserable. And I just couldn't, I didn't know what to do. And even if once I did know what to do, it was hard. And now I'm just free from that. So when people say, so it would be like saying, so you're going to stay clean for the rest of your life? Well, man, I, I hope so. <laughs> Like, I, I feel too good. It's not like I'm sitting around missing that old life at all. It's a totally new me. Um, oh, man, Drat, what were the next two? I just asked you about coffee and dairy. Oh, yeah, coffee and dairy. So I went, um, <laughs> this is kind of funny and ridiculous, but I was having some itching back this winter that just sort of crept up slowly. It was on my neck. Um, of course, at first I suspected common things but nothing I couldn't come up with anything that was working and and anyhow it went on and on and I was just getting annoyed at this itching because I have zero issues normally it's not like I wake up and have a little bit of a pain here or a stuffy nose I don't get sick I feel amazing well now suddenly I had an itchy neck and I want to know what is it well the only thing I could come up with was that I had really increased my coffee and dairy over the winter time and fall leading up to winter. And I thought, well, we'll cut out dairy. So I cut out dairy for a few months. I was still itching. So then I cut out coffee and I made it 29 days. <laughs> it was going to go a month, but I just pretended it was like February. And I saw no, no change at all. And then I just, <laughs> you know, sometimes it's the food and sometimes it's not, right? I, at some point, just got a totally different detergent that was completely scent-free, dye-free, one of these totally different detergents, and that's all it was. I haven't been itchy since. 
And then I felt like an idiot. But I did not end up adding dairy back full-blown because, as it turns out, the best benefit for me of not having dairy is I no longer wanted dairy. (laughs) That seems a little silly, but I was wanting more and more creamer in my coffee. I was wanting more and more cheese. And then once I cut it out, suddenly I was free from yet another addiction, and I just didn't want it. So I can't really tell any benefit other than that for me. It's just that I don't think about it now, so why bother with it? If at some point I decide to add dairy, I feel pretty sure it'll be fine. I get up at 4.45 in the mornings for work, and uh, I know there will be plenty of people who say, oh, my word, she's done all of this and she still drinks coffee. Well, yes, I do, and cheers to that. So (laughs) I do still have my coffee in the mornings. I drink it black now, and I am okay with it. I've gone periods, I will say, I have gone I think my first two years of zero carving may have been three because almost immediately, as soon as my baby girl, my first baby turned one, I was pregnant again. Um, about three years without coffee, and then I added it back, and I, I really couldn't tell any difference in my life other than I like, I like it. <laughs> That's you, all there is about that. Do you have any idea, like based on just the folks that you've uh, you've you've chatted with on? Um on Charles Washington's page in the Zeroing on Health community, like uh, like kind of the range of folks who go no dairy, no coffee, or kind of one or the other? Is it is it a, most of them still doing dairy, or do a lot of them end up cutting that out? Hey folks, Human Performance Outlier podcast is very happy to announce that we have brought on ButcherBox as one of our sponsors. Uh, with ButcherBox, you can get some high-quality meat and cut out the middleman so that you save quite a bit on what would normally be the charge you'd get at the grocery store. Uh, With that, on your first order, if you use promo code HPO, you'll get 20% off plus free bacon. Sean, why don't you tell them about your experience with ButcherBox? Yeah, I mean, I've used ButcherBox, you know, for quite a while now. I've I've run through several of their their, uh, different boxes. And, you know, for me, and and by the way, that's a pretty good deal there uh, relative to some of the other stuff I've seen out there. But it has been, uh, you know, very consistently good, a good product. You know, it's always been, you know, the the quality of the meat's been very good. Uh, For you guys that are concerned about it, they are a 100% antibiotic, hormone-free product that is a grass-finished product. The meat comes out of Australia, uh, and it has a very... Uh, I find, you know, because and I'll be honest, I, I, I prefer grain-fed beef in general, but I find that this particular uh, grass-finished product uh, tastes pretty solid. I mean, it's pretty good. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the grass-finished uh, meat can taste a little bit uh, almost gamey, uh, and I don't find that to be the case uh, with, with the Butcher Box product, and probably because of the length of time the animal spent on grass and they get a little bit more marbling in there and I think that helps and so I've had a, uh, a very good experience with them and I highly recommend them. Alright folks head over to butcherbox.com and hit promo code HPO. Thank you and back to the show. It's one of the first things well I started to say it's one of the first things that we say to cut out but what else would there really be right? There's zero carbers already so you know there's not that much else and cut out the what. Um, So if anybody's having an issue, we will usually say, just try going without dairy for a few weeks. See if you feel any different. If it didn't affect anything, then, you know, feel free, add it back. But, and the same for coffee. It's the other thing that people tend to hang on to. And we say, if you're having a problem, then try life without it. And if you're having no problems, then enjoy your cheese and coffee. Um, It seems to me that it's probably about, it's pretty split. I haven't done the 
actual statistics, but it seems pretty half and half on the site. There's gonna if you make a comment, a post about dairy, half the comments it seems like will be, yeah, I can't handle it either, and the other half will be, you'll have to take cheese from a cold dead hands. <laughs> so I think it's it's a really mixed bag, and it's and we just say you know your mileage may vary. It, if it works for you, enjoy it, and if it doesn't, then cut it out. Yeah, and it sounds like that's pretty typical just in general with dairy and you know some folks tend to be able to tolerate a little better than others so um cool well thanks for sharing that yeah yeah i mean i mean my personal sort of anecdote around dairy is you know i know if i if i eat very much of it it seems to give me a little you know it's, it's like i'm not quite 100 percent. you know i'll tell people i feel like i'm at 98 percent instead of 100 percent. i feel the best just on Quite honestly, just red meat and water, which, you know, obviously people think that's the craziest thing in the world. But that, that's when I feel my absolute best. And dairy for me is, you know, like, you know, not not horrible. I don't get violently ill. Like, you know, some people, you, 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 you have them eat a piece of broccoli and they're done for weeks. You know, they're just yeah. miserable GI stuff. But I don't get any of those things. I just I just kind of like I'm just not feeling quite as quite as good. You know, Kelly, you're such a positive, wonderful person to talk to. And, I, and, I, and I'm sure that's. You know, that's why so many people have been, been been sort of drawn to your story. You're you're, you're very positive light. Do you did how do you get along? I mean, do you get a lot of negative feedback either either online or in real life from people that see how you live? And you know, do, are they complaining the fact that you know you're support you're you're promoting a a dangerous lifestyle? I mean, I know I do. I mean, I have a whole little little gang of people <laughs> yeah. that that literally just wish I would die any minute now yeah. but I mean are you getting much of that I mean I don't I don't know I'm trying to assess you know you know what's going on and maybe just because I you know I've been very vocal and very sort of uh in your face about it and and you know sometimes in a in a sometimes a very provocative way uh but are you getting any of that at all or or has it gotten better or have you noticed it changed over time I know I know particularly like Joe and Charlene Anderson, you know, they're reluctant because, you know, they had people that wanted to take their kids away when they said, yep. you know, where you meet. And so, I mean, which is absolutely abhorrent to me that that could happen. But uh, have you experienced any negative or has it been all, all positive? <laughs> I have experienced the negative, brother. Yes, I have. <laughs> um, the main thing comes when you start talking about children. And I think that's really where the Andersons, where their vicious hate came in against them was because it's the four of them that are in it together. Um, the, I was in a story on the Daily Mail and they included about my children and how they don't eat carbs. Well, they, they are very low carbers. They're not zero carbers, but just being low carb people jumped all over that. That was like, and I had someone say they should take your children away just like they did with the Andersons. Maybe it's the same person. Hmm. I'm just kidding. Um, anyway, yeah. And it depends on where it is. I've done a few keto type podcasts. Obviously, these folks are not going to be, you know, jumping down your throat as much as as other audiences. Uh, there was a a Women's World article that I was in, and then Good Housekeeping ran it. Also, that is not the keto crowd. Don't do it. If they ask you to be on the cover of Women's World or Good Housekeeping, Sean, just say no. Because yeah. those are not, they are not your people. They're really not. I, I seriously doubt I'm going to be asked to be on the cover of Women's World. but. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you've heard it from me. It, it's not easy. Um, they are there for their cookie recipes. And they are not wanting to hear about an all-meat diet. And they are incredibly concerned with how we poop, for the record. That was a major topic of 
um, of debate on on my health. I've been I've had comments made. Uh, you'll die an early death. Obviously, everyone says, I wish you could see her. I'd love to see her cholesterol numbers. And, of course, they're posted on my blog. My cholesterol numbers are great. And I've only gotten better over time, honestly. My, um, You didn't ask, but I will tell you, my triglycerides, This my last blood work was done after a large meal, and it was non-fasting, but it was just when the doctor could fit me in. But my triglycerides were 65. Um uh, and my triglycerides HDL ratio, which is what I feel like is the most important, the last two times it was a 0.9 and then a 1.1. So when you tell people that, you know, suddenly the cholesterol people sort of hush. And here's what I have found, too. If I go on, like with the Good Housekeeping article, they run it every few months, and then I get all this hate mail again. Once I interact with someone and they hear like, oh, this is a real person with real kids who really struggled for 20 some years before finding this, it kind of calms them down. It's just, I think, the plight of the Internet. You see an anonymous face out there. You see a headline. Woman loses 130 pounds and raises her children without carbs on an all-meat diet from McDonald's patties. Yeah, people get flamed up and, and start posting, you know, I hope you die an early death. And then they actually talk to you, and I do try to answer a lot of email, even the hateful ones. And, you know, they say, well, if it's working for you, that's great kind of thing. But, yeah, there's some haters out there, that's for sure. The vegetarians rarely go quietly into the night. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and then the, the as, as Anthony Bourdain, the late Anthony, Anthony Bourdain said, they're, they're splinter facts, the Hezbollah-like splinter facts, and the vegans are even worse. But, you know, I get that all the time. <laughs> Um, and, and that is that is to your point that, you know, and this is something that I think as a community, as a zero carbon carnivorous community, and even a low carb community in general, I've kind of talked about this. And when I was at the conference, I'm talking about this. And, you know, there is still a lot of, uh, you know, sort of mainstream, if you want to use that term, uh, or, or conventional dogma out there that really doesn't like this whole approach. There's a lot of hesitation out there. And and though we're starting to get more media, and I, I know there was an article in the New York Post the other day where yeah, you know it was showing you know here's here's a here's these crazy carnivore people. They they think quote unquote they think they're healthy, but yeah. but you know and 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 then some kind of silliness. And then they have their you know the standard you know dietitian or doctor answer saying you know it's not healthy long term. Blah 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 blah. But I think what we're seeing is, you know, it's getting more and more um, uh, being made, made more and more in the public awareness. And I think people like you and, and others, and I encourage people to get out there and tell your story. And after a while, when those stories get to be, you know, not 10 strong, not 100 strong, not 1,000 strong, but, but 50 and 100,000 strong and even a million strong. And I think that's very re realistic, you know, particularly if you yep. combine carnivory and low carb, that that you know, you just can't sort of continue to dismiss that. And I think that's the only way, uh, you know, you, you, we can make a difference and we have to step up as a community. And like you have done, put yourself out there if you're, you know, and, and not be afraid to, to, to sort of take the, you know, take the hits, you know. I mean, I, yeah. I think it's important for, for you and I and, and for our, quite honestly for our children because I think that the road we are being steered toward is not a future that I, I particularly want to want to want to experience i don't want my children to experience that and, and, and when i say that i don't want this processed food plant-based sort of mantra uh you know dystopian future shoved upon me or forced upon me when we can do something about it and i think the time is now i think we have to 
be very aggressive. And, you know, one of the things that I'm hoping to do is we can get all get educated better in all the issues so that we can be uh, good uh, spokespeople for for what we believe in. And I think that includes both health. I think, you know, your own personal story, if that's where it is, can be a tremendous asset. And then if you, you know, for the people that care to learn about, you know, the way animals are raised, you know, and, and not the, not not what the, the vegan propagandists tell you, because that's quite honestly, that's just not right. But we have to learn the actual way, the way things are going on and then learn about the environment and, and then be able to say, you know, look, I don't believe your 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 BS because quite frankly, it is. Yep. Yeah, the re- um, I'm so grateful that you had me here today, and I'm always really happy to share because if it weren't for people like the forum that I found when I was looking, and for Stefanson and the Bear and those who were vocal when it wasn't all that cool to be vocal, uh, um, I wouldn't have found my answer when I did. I don't know if I would have these sweet kids that I have. There, there may be somebody out there that's struggling who has wondered, you know, how important are these last carbs? Maybe there's somebody out there who's where I was when I was 260 pounds that doesn't even know what a carb is. Um, those people are still out there <laughs> somehow. But you're right, it is growing. And for my kids' sake, if they were to choose this when they get older, I don't want people to say, what? Is that a thing? How do you even poop? I want that to be like, oh, yeah, I've heard of that. You know, sort of like Atkins became for a while. Everybody had heard of it. The, not in the same exact sense, but in the way that people had heard of it. And it wasn't such a mind blower. And you're out there getting the word out. And I really, I appreciate that. That's awesome. And I'm so thankful that you let me come on and um, help you fight the good fight, man. Well, Kelly, it's been an absolute pleasure. You know, I've heard you talk before. I've read your stories. And, and just like you sound, you know, hopefully I get to meet you in real life someday. Because it's, uh, you know, I think it's neat we can all come together. Um I think, you know, this has been sort of brewing for, for, you know, this has kind of come, you know, a lot of people will say it's, it comes every few years and it goes away. I don't think it's going anywhere. I think the, the power of social media and the power of success, I think it's going to be around for a long time. And I think there's more and more people are going to use it, maybe not as a lifelong uh, food choice, but I do think many people are going to use it as a health tool. And I think that's completely fine. I think if you yeah. can, if you can use it to solve some medical problems and get healthy and then if you're fortunate enough to be able to eat berries and, you know, a few fruits and vegetables here and there and still stay healthy, that's fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And I don't think anybody in my mind in the community is saying, you know, you shouldn't be able to do that. You know, there's some people that, that, that will acknowledge that for some people they need to keep it strict. And, and, that, and that's what we want to teach you. And I think that's what the zeroing in on health sort of mission is, if I, if I can be so bold as to say that. But I, I do think there's room for people to say you know, my view, it's, 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 it's the biggest lesson here to me is say meat is not the bad guy. Meat is not the killer. Yeah. Meat is a part of a healthy diet. We need an inhuman diet for most people, and it shouldn't be demonized. And if you want to eat 100% all carnivore, good on you, great. Hopefully you do well. If you want to eat 50%, that's fine too. But, uh, you know, again, we have, to, we have to get away from this. You know, meat is destroying the planet. Meat is destroying people's hells. And, you know, you're an evil person if you eat meat because, you know, that's that's there's people that seem to think that now you're a murderer, you're a rapist, you know. And again, I I think that's it's just although it's crazy and it sounds crazy and it sounds like, um, you know, who's going to believe those people? But the the fact of the matter is they are having a subtle effect on, on sort of more sort of reasonable, normal people to where we're seeing people say, well, I don't believe it means meat and myrtle, but I but I do think it's the best thing for the environment, and therefore let's pass this tax on meat or let's 
let's make these schools where they have meatless Mondays or yep. my company my, my company's not going to pay for you know uh, you to eat meat which is what we're seeing that today and so I think I think it, it's subtle and it's it's eroding our freedom a little bit you know you and I live in the and Zach live in the good old USA and we, we're proud of our freedom here and hopefully the rest of the world enjoys some of that not everybody does but uh, I think it's something that you know you almost have to become an activist because if you become passive and stay passive you know the, the fact that you and I can do this today may not be available 20 years from now yeah you're right yep we could very easily sit back and keep quiet and get zero hate mail and then who knows who knows what our options for ourselves and our kids will be someday. So it's worth, like like I tell people, I'm not out trying to convince somebody. I am not even out there with all the science and numbers, statistics. For me, it's literally, I can only tell you exactly what's happened to my life. If that's useful to you, awesome. But this is my story, and I'm grateful I got to share it. And it's, it's a great story, absolutely. Yeah, awesome, Kelly. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, before you leave, if you could uh, just share with the listeners where they can find you um, on social media, if you care. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have a blog where I wrote down all the stories. My blood work is on there, too. Tons of before and after pictures, even pictures of the little ones. Um, it's www.myzerocarblife.com. Zero spelled out, Z-E-R-O. My Zero Carb Life. And also, um, I admin with Charles and the others at Zeroing In on Health. And if they're interested, we mentioned Dana earlier. I also frequent the group, though I don't admin, but visit um, Zero Carb Health quite often for good support there as well. Um, I'm not out to write any books, make any money. I just, I just want to help share my story. Awesome. We will definitely post that stuff to the show notes as well so listeners can click through that. But uh, thanks again so much for coming on the show, Kelly. Oh, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Thanks. Perfect. Take care. Hey, everyone. Sean and I are excited to announce that Human Performance Outliers Podcast has partnered with Thrive Market. Thrive is an online grocery store that focuses on making high-quality grocery shopping easy. By going to thrivemarket.com backslash HPO and shopping, you not only support the HPO podcast, but will also receive 25 to 50% off traditional retail prices. On top of that, with every annual membership, Thrive will donate a free annual membership to low-income family, teacher, or veteran. If you don't make up your membership fee and savings, Thrive will refund your membership fee. The link can be found in the show notes. Thanks for your support. Hey folks, thanks again for tuning in to the Human Performance Outliers podcast. Just a couple quick notes before you leave. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us at hpopodcast at gmail.com that's hpopodcast at gmail.com we're both also on social media on twitter you can find me at zbitter that's at z-b-i-t-t-e-r and you can find sean at sbakermd that's at s-b-a-k-e-r-m-d we're both also on instagram where you can find me at Zach Bitter, that's at Z-A-C-H-B-I-T-T-E-R. And for Sean, it's at Sean Baker, 1967. That's at S-H-A-W-N-B-A-K-E-R, 1967. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of the Human Performance Outliers Podcast.